Hey everyone and welcome to episode 24 of the Audience Please podcast with me, your host Adam. So just before we dive into this week's episode, I just want to give a quick shout out to a load of previous guests. Um, We're at that time of year where everyone seems to be releasing something new and uh, I've been lucky enough to hear a few things in advance. So I just wanted to uh, give a lot of previous guests um, this shout out and recommendation for all these albums and singles. So USA Now and USA Nails even and Magic Mountain have both just dropped albums. Obviously had Tom Linz from Magic Mountain on very, very recently. Um, but also Sugar Horse have just dropped a new standalone single. And Sugar Horse, I just quickly wanted to talk about it because it's a very interesting one. Um, yes, yeah, standalone single, but it's about 15 minutes long um, and it comes with an accompanying video and it's called The Great Shame. Um, and yeah, the video is cut from an old documentary called Heart of the Angel, um, which is a documentary from 1989 around the Angel Tube Station and the people that work there. And I mean, it sounds a bit grim and dark, but that's what Sugar Horse are about. And yeah, it's safe to say that it's absolutely superb. So shout out to those two albums and that single um, that have already dropped um, please do go and check those out and also check out the podcast episodes I've had with all those guests um, stuff that's coming out soon um, there's a new album coming from Hey Colossus I had Joe on the podcast a few episodes ago um, yeah I've been lucky enough to hear that and if you're not familiar with the DIY stalwarts um, you're definitely missing out um, they've got a, a very eclectic and large back catalogue um, that you can wade through so if you want to go and check something out before the the new album I definitely recommend probably like the last two or three albums is a a better representation of this new release but also their their stuff from earlier on in their um, journey is just as good but it is very very different um, also finally Primitive Ignorance album will be out in the near future I think that comes out sort of mid to late November and it's got an absolute ton of guests on Uh, Sim managed to get people like Joe Talbot from Idols and Mick Jones from The Clash um, to guest on his uh, debut outing as a a solo artist so yeah loads and loads of great releases already out or coming out Um, it's going to make my end of year album of the year list that a little bit harder to to write but um yeah it's great to see an absolute ton of music coming out towards the end of this very weird year so anyway diving into this episode's guest we have the progressive rock doom laden instrumental trio mountain cooler and it was great to have all three of them on to have a chat um we talk about their journey as a band the last couple of years um how they met and how their sounds developed um, and how they've managed to, um, in such a short amount of time, land with such a superb amount of material and this quite polished album already um, and the people that they've worked with and um, helped create that. Um, And the album's called Chronicle One, The The Truth Seeker, um, which drops pretty soon. And we talk around the music video as well that they have coming out. But anyway, uh, I won't reveal too much because we obviously cover that in the episode. But there was one note I did want to add. As I said, I would give her a shout out. Uh, The band mentioned a sound engineer that they love working with at the Black Heart. And her name is Paula Narlin. Um, They had a bit of a mind blank when when I asked that question. Um, so I said I would give her a shout out. So yeah, if you if you've played at the Black Heart, if you're planning to play at the Black Heart, um, check out Paula Narlin. Go and say hi to her. Um, she sounds like a, a lovely human being and does an amazing job. Um, yeah, just a final point. My and my, do we talk about some great gigs as well? Um, I definitely had some prangs of jealousy towards some of their stories. All three of the members of the band brought some absolutely stunning examples of uh, gigs that they've been to either in recent years or many years ago as well. So thank you, Max, Ellen, Claire, for joining me on the podcast. Um, To everyone else, go and check out Mountain Caller's album when it drops in the coming weeks, and I will catch you next time. Bye. (laughs) 
thanks so much for having us. It's been a ridiculous farce of an amount of time, us trying to uh, get a chance to talk together, hasn't it? So thanks for being so patient and continuing to pursue it. Yeah, that's all right. It was yeah, it was pretty gutting about um, the Haggard Cat tour, um, oh, yeah. and just yeah. and just in general around that time, um, had so many podcasts lined up with various like touring bands, obviously, and then it was just like, oh yeah, everything's gone. So <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, cool. We'll we'll crack on then. So um, yeah, just wanted to say, everyone, I've been I've obviously had the album the last couple of weeks and been really enjoying it. So. Um, really looking forward to it coming out and I'm sure you guys are eager to uh, get it out in the world but um, yeah before we dive into the album uh, you've just announced a a gig at the Black Heart which is amazing and it's sold out pretty quickly yeah it's amazing and you've been announced for Arctangent next year as well so I presume you're looking forward to these shows but um yeah, how was the live stream experience for Arctangent as well? Because that was a, a bit surreal to see you guys through a screen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it was amazing, actually. It was a, a really well-managed, well-put-together thing. And they made it very easy for us to, to get down there and get set up. It was actually a very chill day. Um, I'd never live streamed anything before. I don't know if you guys have done that kind of thing with a gig. No. I can't remember, or even used in monitors actually for, for <laughs> me. Um, so yeah, it was fantastic, and I thought it would be super weird doing a show with an invisible audience. Um, I thought it would be quite disconcerting, but actually, it was quite easy to forget about it and um, and just have a really good time playing together just even playing together these days is yeah. such a, a joy features <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's been so long i mean we did a the first time we saw each other after lockdown we did a photo shoot but we hadn't really rehearsed or done anything for hundreds of days so <laughs> actually get together in a room and play was um was very welcome yeah, how was how was the vans for band space? Because it looks wicked, and I see we saw that like Lemon's done some stuff there as well. Um, how were the crew and stuff there as well? Everyone was like just absolutely lovely and really professional and really on it. Um, I'm not really sure who there was Arc Tangent and who there was Vans <laughs> for Bands, but luckily across the board they're all fine. Um, and I don't know. I don't know how much they set up specifically for the live stream as well. But um, yeah, they had like an isolated drum room, obviously, and then sort of screens between Elle and Claire. And then the sound desk was kind of in the corner. Um, and it was just yeah, we had loads of room, like lovely gear to go into. Um, yeah, the whole the whole thing was like yeah, as as usual with Arc Tangent, like. I've been going to the festival like a couple of years yeah um and like absolutely love it as a fan so it was really nice to like speak to like we spoke to James because uh, he was there for that day um and it was really nice to get there and find out that the organization is really good as well <laughs> as like being on the other side of the curtain so yeah 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 I was gonna talk about Arctangent because obviously you guys have been announced for next year um who else are you looking forward to on that on that lineup because it's uh, again it's pretty oh. stacked it's ridiculous <laughs> yeah. who are we not looking forward to I think is a simple <laughs> answer yeah yeah, any any highlights? Any highlights for you lot? Uh, you looking forward to? <laughs> oh gosh, there are just so many bands. I'm having to just quickly let's get the lineup up. Let's get the yeah. lineup up, and then I mean, just I, salivate I for, over it. I for one am stoked that uh, they still got Opeth because I know that was a bit of a yes. Um, it was a bit of a wild card booking for them. So mm. when it was rescheduled, I was wondering a little bit like, are they are they still going to be doing it? But yeah, them and Cult of Luna, I adore. Oh, Cult, Cult, Ra, Cult of like, Luna were amazing. They played last year, didn't they? Yeah, like, it was afternoon. Yeah, unbelievable. They're one of the best live bands ever, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and yeah, Armin Ra, I've never seen, and I'm really desperate to. 
Um, I want to give a shout out to Racket Cannon as well. Oh, because yeah, <laughs> that was that was going to be their last show last time, like like at the last Arc Tangent, and I was like, oh god, like when it got cancelled, I was like, oh my god, I might never get to see him again. But I I think I think you know this is their they're going to be. I think they're kind of keeping going specifically for the Arc Tangent show, from what I can see. So mm. it's really great of them to do that, and yeah, I'm delighted with that. Yeah, a racket cannon for me as well. They've been one of my highlights for the sort of the last four or five years after I discovered them. And again, like you, I was like, I really hope they get rescheduled for 2021. Yeah. So it's going to be, I, I reckon the tent's going to be pretty packed for that. And it's going to be pretty insane. Um, El Claire, any any other highlights for you? Looking forward to. I'm just having a look, and I can I, I keep forgetting that Oathbreaker are playing. Oh mm-hmm. yeah! Oh, I'm so excited about Oathbreaker. Alcest stand out to me as well. Um, Bellwitch, I love. Um, a. a Williams, just um, Ohms as well. Elephant Tree, that new record is insanely good. Yeah, yeah. Just like just too many to mention. It's <laughs> such a great lineup. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I'm also obsessed with Cult of Luna, and um, I just every time I see them live, they're just spectacular. I've never seen Mono live, so I'm so yeah. stoked for that. A. A. Williams as well, huge one for me. Bosky Lloyd, absolutely oh, yeah. adore their records. Um, Oathbreaker for me as well. Road to Massey, I haven't seen for years and years and years. Yeah. Super exciting. Svalbard, I haven't seen live for ages, but I fucking love those guys. Um, it's just an absolute laundry list of joy. I, just, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to manage where I'm going to be on any given day. Just going to oh, be running yeah. around with wide eyes. Yeah, yeah. I think I saw 38 bands last year. Um, so considering I've been going for five or six years as well, every year it's just astounding that they uh, they manage to get such a strong lineup, but such a different lineup each year as well. So yeah, yeah. yeah. It gets better every time for me. Like I keep, they keep releasing lineups, and I keep going. Oh my god, they've topped the last one. How has that <laughs> happened? Like, yeah, big fans, yeah. big fans. Props to them. So yeah, we'll we'll move on to your new record that's coming out. Um, which yeah, like I said, I've listened to sort of three or four times now, and it's an absolute stunner. So. Um, yeah, I was reading actually, Max, you, you mentioned in an interview a while ago that you were really finding your instrumental voices. Um, so I was just wondering how you guys felt you've developed it over the last couple of years and how confident you were writing and recording this album, um, sort of finding your voice more, I suppose. It was, it was, a, it was a journey of discovery, I think, like... That's a really good question. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think if, yeah, if I remember rightly, I think I said that like the single Twilight of um, Journey Through the Twilight Desert was the one where I really felt our voices, like I can hear all of like our individual characteristics on that. Um, so for me, that's, um, you know, the dynamics, uh, the kind of, uh, and then, L brought in that first riff, um, the sort of guitar refrain, uh, and then put like a drum and bass sort of beat over it, which I never would have thought to do. <laughs> and I was just like, that's great. That's genius. Um, and then like going from the choir into the blasts is like, like, yeah, that was, that, that's our <laughs> first extreme metal moment, which like just for, guys, just just for the listeners claire's just uh made some very metal hands the metal claw. <laughs> yes that yeah that comes up a lot in the, the rehearsal room and i'm yeah i'm always like trying to sneak in blast beats wherever i can like i'm such a mark for that stuff um i think because we we kind of formed like not really having an idea of what we wanted to sound like or particularly what we wanted to do even like claire just said that she wanted to form a heavy band and that was kind of it we got together and played um uh seek and destroy like a few times um just covered it uh and then we just started writing like we just started writing pretty much immediately um so we all just kind of 
like and none of us had really played together before so we all just kind of got to know each other as musicians uh and got to understand each other's identities and then for me like that's really important because i'm always you know trying to think about you know what what i need to be doing to kind of bounce off them and also like what kind of creative gaps i can leave in a sense yeah so like what you know where i need to bring my ideas to like where i know they'll be able to run with it like um yeah and i think it was just building trust and like learning about the kind of different voices that we all had yeah um and that i think that's that's just got stronger and stronger and stronger like every time we've written a song it's flowed easier like because we've kind of been able to understand each other a bit better um yeah, yeah i don't know I what you guys something, something we i don't think we've spoken to anyone about yet is the fact that um the order of the songs on the album is also the order in which we wrote those songs oh wow um so you can kind of hear a progression in our confidence and us finding our sound and building on that sound and experimenting and having more and more fun as as time goes on because we were writing this this narrative at the same time yeah so sometimes we would bring you know someone would bring riffs or half a song into the room something loose or something that's quite well developed and it would just be transformed in the room um by each of us um and just taken to that next level um but we were sort of and sometimes those kinds of things informed the music and we'd start from that point or sometimes somebody would have a really cool idea of what might happen next in the story or where we needed to get this protagonist to next yeah and then we would end up writing things around that story or we would have something in the riff bank that we would pull out and be like this sounds kind of like <laughs> it's betraying portraying that moment yeah um so yeah you can you can kind of hear where we've come from listening from journey through to dream spirals and it's been just such a wonderful experience for me playing the bass so i didn't have any particular expectations about how we were going to sound or what the role of bass was going to be necessarily i didn't have any particularly lofty ambitions but i'm so just delighted that what has ended up naturally happening is that we have this really natural balance of our three instruments quite often playing non-traditional roles yeah quite often you know simo's amazing guitar parts will be in the foreground and she'll do a solo or she'll play a leading riff and i'm i'm working with max in the background and then at other times the drums will take the foreground or the bass will play the, the melody lines and um i think that's kind of really just reflective of our, our friendship actually as, as well as what we're interested in doing as as musicians just really truly collaborating with our ego and not worrying about things being too too this or too that yeah, but just not being really, precious about it yeah 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 so, so I, yeah so yeah just jump in like so did you did you guys know each other before starting the band was there a personal friendship before or has mountain caller literally been development of your friendship at, and as a band as well ellen and i have known each other for years i don't even know how many years it is now <laughs> it's definitely it's, more than a decade yeah, definitely more than a decade uh, we know each other through various friends and different bands um, that we used to play in. Um, and we, we've known each other a long time. We've even worked at the same agency or in the same industry um, in our day jobs. Um, and we've always said, you know, let's start a band, let's do a band. Um, and just the, the timing felt right. Yeah. So we decided to go for it. And um, we found Max through Twitter, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um i tweeted and it was retweeted by um a friend of mine and um 
I think Max was one of the only people to respond and I can't I still can't believe how lucky we got I can't believe it I can't believe it either that first session and we first started writing there was a moment where I remember thinking oh my god this guy can play yes <laughs> this guy this guy is like an amazing drummer I, I it's incredible. I agree with that as well. I remember seeing you seeing you lot for the first time. I don't I'm I'm a drum person at heart and just watching Max drum, I was like, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> I'm a fan. Wow. I'm a drum person at heart, I just can't play. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Me well, as well. I'm, I'm blushing. Like <laughs> thanks you guys. I I, I I know I really felt like you know, I'm not just saying this, I really felt that in return. Like I, you know, immediately um just felt so in sync with ellen claire's like kind of musical ethics in a way like their creativity their like you've both got such idiosyncratic identities i think um and in music i've always loved sort of you know different kind of voices and identities playing off each other so the way that we've all just sort of yeah let them you know let our voices kind of intertwine has been so satisfying for me is the, the kind of band I've always wanted to be in like it's yeah how I've always wanted to do it so and we we when we started the band our our goal was to just write and have fun writing music and make some music we all love and maybe play some shows around London. <laughs> and like, so for it to um, have got to where it's got um, just quite naturally and organically is, um, is just lovely. It's crazy. Like a few years ago, if you told me that we were gonna be signed to a record label and have a PR person and management and <laughs> be, do, be playing Arctangent oh my yeah. god <laughs> and and like actually have full-length uh, record out on delicious coloured vinyl with gate, <laughs> gatefold sleeve <laughs> selling oh. it <laughs> <laughs> by the way everyone nice um, <laughs> I, I just wouldn't have believed it it's it's crazy it's such a gift yeah yeah it's it's been it's been really nice to see Obviously, uh, I think I've seen seen you lot a couple of times. Like the last time was at um, what's it called, two two five venue, two two nine, yeah, two two nine. That was the one, yeah. And uh, with like Polymath and uh, who else? I can't remember. Who Body, else Hound. Body Hound. Body Hound. Yes. Oh god, amazing. Yeah, Body incredible. Um, Insane. Uh, yeah, and then when obviously you announced the the album was coming, it, out of intrigue, obviously seeing you live and how that would translate, um, yeah, it's been amazing. And it's definitely for a band that's still quite young um, in regards to length of time, having such a like you said, having such a polished product and a great team behind you, it's it's yeah, it's really nice to see. Um, so yeah, just following on. Uh, around the album so we we've kind of mentioned briefly around the themes and obviously I've been lucky enough to read the press release but yeah just wanted um you to talk a bit around that and um sort of tell the listeners what the sort of themes are and how you how you've tied that into the music do you want to start off Simo um just <laughs> <laughs> to put you on as well <laughs> To be honest, I can't. I can't even remember at what point we decided or started to have this narrative that went with the music. It's always just kind of been there. Mm. Um, it's just kind of. I I I I think it maybe started as um, as an idea, and then we picked up and ran with it, and then it just sort of developed in tandem with I, the music. I, sorry, I, I remember when we were writing our first song. Um, which isn't on the album um yeah we just written this thing it was nameless we didn't really know what we were going to do uh, and we came to rehearsal and Elle just said like I feel like this one should be called something stirred from underneath the rubble and me and Claire were just like uh, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it should definitely be called that and then I if it yeah it all all started coming from there like this whole kind of allegory thing um yeah sorry I to interrupt a, simo i have a very no. visual brain I and mean, i think we all have quite visual brains 
and when we started jamming together I was just picturing scenes of things in in my mind and that's sort of where that came from and luckily the the other guys were really into thinking of things in that way yeah yeah okay yeah go on about like the the, we 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 ended up just with like a a basic premise which is um we had a protagonist a faceless protagonist who was um you know uh, under this pile of rubble and then uh, set forth on this uh, journey to rediscover memories and her voice. And then we've just layered on detail and each song is a almost like a chapter. Uh, Elle mentioned that we, we've, we've written in quite a linear process as well. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, um, we've just built on it with, with each song. Yeah, just a very, very natural process. But yeah, it's, um, yeah, like I said, reading the the press release, um, yeah, and having listened to the album, you can definitely hear how the soundscapes fit into that narrative, which is, yeah, there's not there's not many bands out there that write an, write an album with that narrative, especially when you don't have vocals, <laughs> bar like one, one minor track. Um, so it's... It, once you read that narrative and then listen to the album, you can definitely hear where the ideas have come from and how they fit into that soundscape for sure. Um, well, at some point yeah. I might be brave enough to share the the poems that I've written for each track with the world. Oh, wow. Um, so that, that's the thing. Each poem is written in a different, in a different form. Uh, one is a sonnet, for example, and one yeah. is like a free stream of consciousness um poem um and that kind of tells a bit of the story oh nice but um yeah maybe maybe at some <laughs> point i will if, if the guys also um are happy to do it maybe we'll put them out there nice oh, yeah absolutely <laughs> um yeah so mentioning the the brief vocals is there any plans for any further vocals in the future maybe on uh whether it's going to be called Chronicle 2, is there going to be any more vocals in the future? Um, <laughs> I, I hope I so. <laughs> Can I just say? Okay, interesting. <laughs> there, there is one in the works. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think so. I think we're quite... Um, I mean, I, I think we love being an, an instrumental band for all the reasons that you know, you've alluded to. Um, but I think it's it's a nice thing to have in your toolkit to be able to throw out some vocals here and there um, in certain places just to kind of embellish and enhance the story. Um, so yeah, I, I I think probably yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, I wouldn't expect a full-on yeah. vocal album. Chronicle. Yeah. Yeah. We're sort of use, using voice as instrument, really, yeah. um, and kind of using it in a in a different sort of a way. That particular song that, that you're talking about with the vocals on, Clamour of Limbs, that kind of felt like the right moment, like a poignant moment at which to give this character an actual voice. Yeah. Um, in, this, in this particular song, um, she has just escaped quite a traumatic experience that has triggered some of her repressed memories and now she remembers who she is and that's you get to I remember everything and now this, the song title is in the first person for the first time yeah. and then by a clamor of limbs she is fleeing these like scrambling um, hordes of, um, of, of creatures and um, but the song is also kind of the uh the story of well, the way i envisaged it was my coming out story hmm. um so obviously that was it was a, it was a difficult time coming out as a as a teenager and uh the sort of the the intensity and the drama and the sudden changes uh, and the kind of creepy whispers and all kinds of other things going on on that track um that's that's really what that that represents as well as being about the protagonist's story so yeah having that repeated 
you know, little verse in there, it, it felt like an important moment to be speaking. Nice, nice. Well, that's, yeah, it's really good to know because I was, yeah, obviously kind of intrigued around obviously primarily, primarily uh, instrumental band and yeah, why you, why you chuck the, the lyrics in there. So it's really good to hear. Um, I, I think we're very keen, like, yeah. not to, like, not to limit ourselves in terms yeah. of what, you know, what kind of ideas we want to incorporate. And that stretches to, to genres and also to instrumentation. Like, we don't want to think too hard. Like, we never really thought too hard about, like, oh, isn't it a bit weird? You know, we're an instrumental band. Isn't it a bit weird having vocals here? Like, it just... It's all been very natural. It felt right for the song. So yeah. that's so we wanted to put it in there, and yeah, that's yeah. it's been it's been working for us so far. So nice. Yeah. Um, so just the the uh, sort of the last bit on the album. So you you were lucky enough to work with uh, sort of Joe Clayton of Pine, and the legend that is Magnus Lindbergh of Cult of Luna. Um, so yeah, <laughs> praise <laughs> praise be to Magnus. Um, Absolutely. All hail. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just uh, obviously really really intrigued to how how those relationships uh, fell into place and what you thought um, they added to the recording because obviously both those both those guys are absolute legends. I know Joe is an absolute uh, masterstroke of a human being when it comes to recording as well. Yeah. I think it was our manager. Paul Waller, a.k.a. Mountain Paula. No, we, we, um, we put together a shortlist ourselves. Huh? We made... Did we? That was good of us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Simo says we, but she meant she did it because she's the most organised. Like, yeah. like I'm a nerd when it comes to production. I've done a sound engineering course in the past and it's such a, it's such a big thing for me. I love it. Um, so we, I, I made a, a short list of... Um, or we made a short list of producers we liked and we put playlists together and we listened to them and then we narrowed it down and ultimately we felt like Joe would be the right person for the type of band we were. Like you only need to look at Pine to yeah. to understand why why we went with Joe and just all of the stuff he's produced. So um, we did a a video call with him we we had a, a chat to him we said hello and he was he's just such a lovely dude um and yeah it was it was kind of a, a no-brainer in the end with, with joe um yeah i remember i think you were talking to him about some of our references for, yeah. for the album That's and he just it. got this really big grin <laughs> yeah. yeah. on his face we're talking about sleep and what was it elder and a few other kinds of things and he was just grinning wide and just like a little boy like yes yeah he was like i, I can have some fun with it <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's he, he just felt really like really on the same page as us i think like what sold it for me um was was kind of the scope of what he does with Pine, like, mm. you know, with all the kind of extracurricular stuff he did with that, like with Loss, you know, getting people to contribute messages and voice notes and like about their own personal losses and stuff. And, you know, it had this really strong conceptual thing behind it and it's really dynamic. Like, um, so I think we felt like a kind of kindred spirit in someone who's like you know who's thinking on a really big scale like is is aiming really high artistically like yeah. takes it really seriously um and made made things sound great as well like he he got a great balance of you know we didn't want it to be too clean but you know also wanted it to to be clear enough that you could hear individual bits like you know, we were very, very specific and very pernickety about what we wanted from the album. I mean, I made like, a, like 20 pages of notes just about, <laughs> yeah, how I wanted things to sound. Um, and he was really responsive to all of it, like, and he got it and he could pull it off. So, yeah, like we couldn't be happier, I think. Yeah, like, I think I think going back to that point when you when you have that initial chat, um and they get it straight away before you've even got into the studio. I think mm. they're they're almost like a willing participant then 
even if you have 20 pages of notes they're probably like yeah i'll do that for you got you guys to make it happen um yeah so a bit on magnus then how did that how did that come about and what was his impact well i mean he mastered i think he mastered lost didn't he by pine yeah i think think that's how it came i think it was joe who suggested him to us amazing we, we were like we can get Magnus from Cult of Luna to master, yeah. master our record. I, I he guess, will take our I, money and he will do this. I guess that's okay. I mean, yeah. And, and, and also you've got to think that he's definitely listened to your album uh, at least a few times. So Absolutely. that's yeah. that's exciting. Has he has he said anything to you guys about the album? or We, we sent it to him and he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll get it. This is, yeah, I'll, I'll send it back. I think it was like a couple of weeks. And within a couple of days, we got a first um, first master back because he really enjoyed the music. So we were just say? there, just like <laughs> yeah, freaking Losing out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's good to meet your heroes, uh, especially in this case. So um, just before we get onto the, the the last bit of the podcast about top gigs played and top gigs been to, obviously got a. A new video coming out um so yeah what can we expect from that in regards to visuals and how that ties into the to the record oh i just first of all i would just like to give a huge shout out and thank you again to tom lebon yeah who was the director yes. and one of the producers and the visionary behind this video um i basically wrote out the story of the album for him Mm. um, so that he could write a treatment for us. And he took different kinds of parts of the scenes that we had described and created these visuals that are sort of emblematic of those moments. So it's not a literal storytelling. Yeah. It's not it's not actually Mountain Call of the movie, although that would be <laughs> that comes one later. day. <laughs> um, but he, he took these moments and just crafted these different scenes out of them. And the end result, I mean, it's a six and a half minute song. So he really had his work cut out for him to create something that would hold your interest visually all that time um it's it's really cinematic i think it's it's quite mysterious but also it it tells enough of a story that you can get quite caught up in it um it features an amazing actor called laura lake who is an absolute delight of a human being really lovely just she was up for anything and because she's also a stunt person and very physically fit she was able to do all of this mad stuff (laughs) <laughs> that, you, that you wouldn't normally expect. The woman has the strongest core of anyone over yeah. <laughs> Um And we, we, we did our performance bit and we were up at like, I don't know, 5 a.m. getting ready for a 7 a.m. shoot day, which I've never performed that early. So, I don't think I've even spoken a sentence that early before. Yeah. I can definitely see Mountain Call of the Movie happening. You sound like film stars. I, I just I just got out of my trailer at 4 a.m. <laughs> oh, I just fell out of our van at 5 a.m. screaming for coffee, slightly weeping. Um, God, yeah, it's so cool. There, there's, um, there's 3D artistry and other special effects just because TLB, Tom LeBorn, is so well-connected and bless him, he was able, he called in a lot of favours oh, wow. from people that he knows for things like um, grading, editing, VFX. The crew on the day were incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, it's, and it looks so good. I just cannot believe this is our music video for this, as you say, pretty young band. Yeah. The music video looks immense. Yeah, well, it's it's by the sounds of it, it's going to be better than sort of four guys with guitars in, a, in an empty warehouse, which is uh, usually what <laughs> first band videos are. <laughs> that was a fucking idea. <laughs> yeah. The backup. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with that, but there's a, there's only so many uh, uh, four four white males in in a warehouse uh, head banging with their guitars. You can take. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm absolutely buzzing. Obviously, uh, I haven't seen it yet, but the the one frame that you've even put out when you said it's going to be cinematic, even that one frame, you're like, it looks like it's going to be. It. You talking about it, kind of uh, going back to Rolo Tomasi. I can't remember the name of the song, and uh, it was very cinematic. And 
yeah, having a powerful video, I can't remember the name of the song now, it's really going to bug me, but I remember watching that Rolo Tomasi video and it added so much to the song, so much that I had like a tear in my eye at the end of it. So mm. it's, it's, uh, it's definitely important for sure. So yeah, it sounds really exciting. Can't wait for it to, to land. When does it, when does it land? Um, next week. <laughs> We don't. Around then. <laughs> around yeah. then. Okay. That's, that's a complicated a of, question. Yeah, there's a lot of running around behind the scenes, setting things up um, with the with the press. I think. Yeah. Um, so we expect to be able to share a date very soon. Cool. Yeah. I'll, I'll keep an eye. We're out not. For be, it. We don't. We genuinely don't know. We're not. Yeah. Trying to be <laughs> that's all right. It, it's very soon. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, so yeah, thanks. Thanks for talking over the the album and uh, the video. It all sounds amazing, and yeah, it sounds like you've had an amazing journey making this album. And I bet you're absolutely just buzzing to get it out in the world. I suppose. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll get on to the last bit of the the podcast, and um, hopefully, you guys have thought about it. So, top three gigs played and top three gigs been to as fans. I don't know how many you want to do because there's three of you, but. I'll just throw it out there. So we'll start with top gigs played. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what you you guys say about this because we haven't convened on this or anything. No, <laughs> we haven't. So I, I had a think, and the one that springs to mind is Desert Fest. Yeah, uh, that Seconded. was that was awesome. Yeah. Um, so our first festival, we opened up the Sunday. We opened up the Black Heart, and it was just. It was brilliant. We had, um, it was rammed and we, we played really well. The sound was great. It was all, it was all just right. Yeah. Uh, nice. Nice. Yeah. And uh, yet, I suppose it'll be uh, exciting to go back to the Black Art. And have you played the Black Art since then, I suppose? Or We, we play the Black Art a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, it's a great venue. Um, and it's got yeah. our favourite. I think our favourite sound engineer there as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. She's, she's so she's just, great. She's such a dream. So yeah. good. Nice. What's what's her name so we can give her a shout out? Oh god, we haven't played <sighs> there since like December last Sorry, year. Sorry, I keep keep putting you on the spot. <laughs> oh, you're gonna need to edit this bit, Adam. You're so going to need yeah. Don't yeah, that's, immediately that's know her name. <laughs> edit it in, but we'll we'll let you know. But she she's amazing. Yeah. 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 Nice, yeah, and, yep. and Desert Desert Fest is amazing. What uh, what year was that? Did you play? Was it twenty eighteen? Yeah, yeah. I think so, yeah. I think it was twenty eighteen because um, I think I remember seeing you. I didn't see you guys, but I remember seeing you on the bill. But no, that's that's really mm. cool. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, any other choices? Uh, for me, I I picked uh, uh, the show we did in Southampton. Um, which was the last show we'd done as yet. Um, it was the last show of a weekender. Um, and I remember like just just feeling like we'd done two gigs the two nights before, obviously. And I remember just feeling like I was getting into the swing of it. Um, and I, I love touring like as a drummer, like I, I you know, I, I really like improvising and seeing what I can do with the song from night to night. And it's that my favorite way of doing that is touring it and sort of playing about with it each night and that night i felt personally really really comfortable with everything playing like everything was really flowing um and yeah we were playing um, we were playing with uh slab dragon that night as well which nice. we yeah loved playing with them they absolutely smashed it um like every night um so yeah, that was a really good one. Nice. Uh, what, Remember what gigs? What? Uh, yeah. What venue was that? What, what venue was that? Hobbit. Was that the Hobbit? Yeah. The Hobbit. Yeah. Oh, Hobbit's a great little place. Yeah. Yeah. Haven't yeah. Been there it was a cool place. Yeah, I haven't been there for years. Cool. Uh, mm. L, you got any? L, you got any choices? Yeah. Well, Desert Fest was the top of my list too. Just mm. a great vibe and going going around Camden home home turf um seeing other bands seeing people that we don't know wearing our t-shirt really weird really wonderful <laughs> that was weird um, yeah but the other gig um that i was going to mention was actually the one before the one max has mentioned when we played um in bristol at the crofters rights which was part of an all day they were doing mm. um 
And although it had by far and away the stickiest floor I have ever dragged my like Terminator 2 T1000 feet across, <laughs> um, it was just so great. And it, it wasn't, it was really busy. Um, but there was just something about that gig where everything for me felt right. And I felt totally in command of my instrument. I felt really relaxed and confident. I think we played really well. Everyone seemed really into it. Um, we met lots of lovely people as well. Loads of chats with the other bands. Great vibes. Yeah, it was it was wicked. It was just it was a really wicked day. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Crofters Rights, uh, another good good little venue. Been yeah. to many a time. I think last time I was there, I saw Saint Pierre Snake Invasion. Uh, oh, in that oh, room. Yeah, that would have been fun. Yeah, one of, one of my <laughs> favourites. But yeah, great little venue. Um, so yeah, any other top gigs played before we uh, get on to top gigs been to? What else did I wrote something else down? What did I write? Um, sorry, this is exciting for podcasting. That's right, um, I just it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Oh no, I only wrote two. So yeah. Um, oh, oh, that 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 was it. I was trying to think of a two two nine one because we've done lots of two two nine gigs as well. Um, yeah. And as a result, I can't. There's one. Like, do you guys remember the first gig that we played? Dream spirals. I think that was at the 229 and I remember that one yeah. being really good yeah. and also I just wanted to shout out 229 because like we like those guys very much and, yeah yeah and just a shout out to the unicorn that gave us our first ever gig as well oh wow yeah, yeah. Um, nice and like we you know we didn't have anything really to share and we were emailing we really wanted to play a show and then um yeah the unicorn got back to us and that the show itself um was great because we hadn't played together before and it was just it was a nice um affirmation that we actually had something yeah as as not just a band that that wrote and were were good at creating um you know music but as as a live band as well which is um you know, as an instrumental three-piece, you never really know how people are going to react. So to to kind of get that um, feedback from the first gig, which was really, really positive, um, just, um, you know, helped us realise that perhaps we're, we're onto something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice. that's a great shout. Great yeah. shout. Nice one. Well, uh, let's move on to the, the top, top gigs you've been to as fans then, so the other side of the barrier... And I'm always intrigued to see what people say. Obviously, we've talked a bit around like Cult of Luna and things like that. So, uh, yeah, uh, kick us off. Anyone? Uh, Roadburn 2018, Cult oh. of Luna with with Julie Christmas doing Mariner. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so jealous. So <laughs> jealous. That's, that's on my list as well. That like. was just, that blew my mind straight out of my head. Incredible. Yeah. She yeah. is so incredible. I, yeah, I was supposed to go to Roadburn this year for the first time. So anyone saying oh. Roadburn, anyone saying Roadburn <laughs> at all, I'm just like, no, no. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. So what did they? Uh, obviously, I've heard about that set. So what was? What did they actually perform? Like Judy Christmas and Cult of Luna. What was it like? Yeah. Just a, a, a fresh collab set, or was it a bit of this Cult of was, Luna? This was Mariner from start to finish. Oh wow. Um, yeah, it was just the most epic thing. And it was in zero thirteen. 13, um, obviously the, the best the, venue, the biggest and, and the, like the best venue probably in the flipping world, but the, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the biggest one at, at Roadburn. And so everything sounded just incredible. Like you could hear the, the detail and like the energy of every part of every instrument but also it was just this wall of epic sound and in that way that they that they do they were sort of backlit and silhouetted with all this different colored smoke and stuff but it worked just so particularly well for mariner Mm. and then you've just got julie christmas owning everything like it's deity (laughs) at the front of the stage oh gosh i had just my skin ached from goosebumps (laughs) That yeah, that that was also my list. Like it was just, I've uh, completely unforgettable. Like that, uh, everything about that band live, the two drummers that they have, like 
the the light show like it's just there's something magical about that band like some some bands can summon like genuine magic is like the only way i can explain it (laughs) and they are one of those bands like it's yeah it's everything everything i want to do and like roadburn that year in general was like one of the best experiences of my life like converge did um dusk in us and you fail me like in full i remember getting to the end of the weekend so i was like sorry i don't you're you're breaking my heart here (laughs) mate rubbish it wasn't very good (laughs) well i got to the end of the weekend and i was like i don't think converge or even in the top five sets that i saw that weekend like I, I, that's and i mean that's saying something because that they is are... I, that is saying something because i you know ben collar is possibly my favorite drummer ever like and they you know they are in my top five bands ever but just every yeah everything about roadburn is like yeah it's just absolutely wonderful um, yeah, 2018 was a was a band road trip for us. So the three of us went and stayed in a little house in the safari park. Yeah, that's and, that's what we were going to do as well. Yeah. Stay in one of those uh, what they call them, jungalos. Jungalos. Jungalo, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Are you, you going to go? Like, you know, are you going to try and go for whenever it's rescheduled? Yeah. Well, we we will see, won't we? I, I don't think it will happen in 2021. I think it will be too no. too early in the year. But um, yeah, Roadburn, as you say, is uh, everything I've heard is uh, magical to say to say the least. And um, yeah, very very jealous. So uh, yeah, let's let's move off Roadburn before I cry. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, what other what other top gigs have you you guys got? Simo, do you want to? Yeah, I actually have a top three in no particular order. They go they go in order of uh, they're chronological. So <laughs> my my first one is um, I saw Slipknot at the London Astoria in 1999. Wow! Which was the first Fucking ever show. It was it was absolute carnage, like nothing I'd ever seen or heard before. It was just it was just perfection for a 16 year old me. And um, yeah, it, yeah, I, it was, and I just I miss the London Astoria so much. It was my favourite venue, um, but yay, Crossrail. Um, <laughs> and then um, my next pick is um, I saw I've seen Tori Amos maybe eleven times, nice. but this one time I saw her in Paris at the Zenith on the Scarlet's Walk tour. Um, my friend Jess and I went, um, we, we went there on the morning, we came back the same night, we slept at the airport basically. Wow. Um, and the gig was fantastic because we were three rows from the front in the centre and that was the closest I'd, I'd ever seen her. And on that tour she was absolutely spectacular from, from Little Earthquakes to Scarlet's Walk is probably it's just a flawless run of records and yeah. she fire. And then uh, my last pick, um, more, more recently, um, I saw Elder at the London Garage in 2018 on the Reflections tour. Yeah, I was I was at that show. That was uh, yeah, it was, it was so good. I, like I was I was a bit down that week I, I I didn't have anyone to go with but I went on my own I made myself go and it was perfect I was just I was just bathed in the tone it was loud <laughs> it sounded great the set list was perfect there was like there was no gap I don't think there was much talking it was just bang 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 song tone tone uh, <laughs> <laughs> like they're, they're my favorite band of recent years so um that really sticks in my mind yeah, I, I I remember seeing Elder for the first time. Funny enough, at Desert Fest, I was very very late into getting into them, and uh, yeah, watch. I think they played the Roundhouse, maybe I'm not sure. And yeah, like you say, as a live band, just perfection, absolute perfection. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, obviously, is a primarily. Um, well, obviously they've got some vocals, but from the instrumental side, like it's just a wall of perfect noise, um, for sure. 
Um, yeah, some great examples there. Um, any other examples from you, Elle or Max? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I, um, I, I uh, had some recent stuff and then some, uh, some blasts from the past. So I guess I'll go back to the, the, wit, the more interesting stuff. So uh, Hell is for Heroes, 2003, London Astoria. Nice. Um, when I had just moved to London and I was a tiny baby, uh, and me and the girl that would become my lifelong best friend, Nick, went along. She got me tickets for my birthday. And uh, we'd never been to the Astoria before. And uh, Headers for Heroes and 100 Reasons and stuff, that's what we were into at yeah. the time. Um, I mean, I also have always had a passion for like uh, 80s thrash metal, but this was my, <laughs> this was my other stuff. And it was so good. Um, the neon handshake even now stands the test of time it sounds fantastic it's such a great record um and it was a really eventful night that sealed our friendship because when we were like moshing which is something i used to do um <laughs> uh, towards the end of the set uh, nick got one of her front teeth bashed in by someone's elbow and uh, we didn't really know our way around london but we had to she sort of came up to me with like her <laughs> blood coming out of her mouth in between her hands and showed me and I was like right hospital we're gonna find a hospital <laughs> and then uh, we had to go on this mad mission just asking people on the street because obviously no smartphones no London yeah. said in my pocket which way to the nearest hospital please and ended up finding our way to uh, UCH and we actually got the tube from Tottenham Court Road to Warren Street because we didn't know that that was no distance at all <laughs> and staggered into the hospital and I held her hand while a guy stood behind her head with some pliers and wrenched oh. her tooth back into place. So that was like a real milestone gig. Uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, life. yeah. I mean, that's a story. When, when you said Hell is for Heroes, I was like, yes, brilliant. He, he, like Hell is for Heroes, one of my favourite bands of all time. Oh, great. But yeah, like, uh, yeah, but that, yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, I've I've been knocked around in a pit before, but having a tooth sm smashed out. Did you stay for the rest of the gig then? Were you just hanging around? We, we didn't because we were in hospital for so long. Um, but Nick wrote to the band and you they, were so, they were so lovely. They sent her free tickets to their next show and backstage passes. So we actually ended up becoming friends with them oh, and amazing. helped them to shoot... Um, their uh one of their music videos for their for their second record the one that had the chinese dragon dancing in it uh, models for the program yeah 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 off so, um tran uh, was it transmit, transmit disrupt uh, yeah. yeah so we were just there being runners at the video shoot and uh going to the pub with them and stuff so it was <laughs> brilliant <laughs> people should get Huh? Yes, we kind of did. <laughs> yeah, I certainly was doing a full. We're not worthy. <laughs> I think I think uh, learnt something. We just need to get more injuries at gigs so you can get uh, ins with uh, your favourite bands. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, Max. Max, any more uh, gigs from you? Or yeah, I've 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 got a couple. Um, uh, the last Dillinger Escape Plan shows in New York like i flew, oh, out, flew out for those um and that obviously is yeah gonna be unforgettable they're like probably my second favorite bands after tall and like one of my most sort of life influential bands um so yeah i, I wasn't planning to go like all the tickets were sold out for all the shows and like i was but i was just at work one day listening to dissociation the album like on my break I was just like, fuck it, I, I, I have to do this. So like, I booked the tickets and I was like, shit, I'm going to New York. Well, I went all, all on my own, like, like just on my own to New York. It was terrifying. Um, <laughs> like Macaulay Culkin. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, you know that scene in Home Alone Two where Macaulay Culkin goes to a Dillinger Escape Plan show. Yeah, <laughs> it was like that. that. I love that bit. <laughs> it's, it's so good. Um, uh, by the way, that's 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 the preview quote for uh, for this episode uh, when Mac <laughs> when Macaulay Culkin goes to a Dillinger Escape Plan show at Christmas. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. I mean, it was it was. Um, they were like on the the twenty seventh, twenty eighth, and 29th of December or something. Yeah. So I was, I was there for New Year's. Like 
Yeah, I was going to say, did you go to all of the shows then? I, I did, yeah. <sighs> like, I got tickets. I got tickets. So I got tickets off a tout for, I think, the last, last one. Um, so, yeah, like, obviously paid through the nose and then they released like 10 extra ticket like a few extra tickets at the last minute for face value and i was like fuck's sake but um yeah they had dimitri um come out and do a few of their like older stuff um and then they had mike Patton come out and do the ironies of dead scene ep and like <laughs> other than that it's just, it's just just dillinger man like yeah I think I, most I, people know by this point like they're fucking yeah like i say one of my favorite bands like just going you know going to such lengths like spending so much money and traveling so far purely for like just a band that i loved like meant so much to me like just to do that for myself so yeah that's yeah that's always going to be up there yeah absolutely I, I definitely agree with that sentiment um it's always a little bit more special when you make the effort to go to like another country to go and see a band that you love um like i remember when Kevin did these reunion shows and i couldn't go to the london show and i went mm. to the berlin show and i remember just walking out and just booing my eyes out because i'd never seen Kevin before so <laughs> it's like when you when you make that effort and you you like when you travel on your own as well, that must have been mental. Did you uh, end up making some Dillinger friends whilst you were there? Um, no, not really. Like, like the Holy yeah, I've I was very you know very secluded. I was very overwhelmed at being in New York on my own um, and in minus twenty weather, like minus twenty Celsius weather that I was not prepared for. <laughs> so most of the gig like i spent most of the time at the gigs just inside going like oh my god like not being able to get warm um so so yeah um i just picture you with little gloves on strings you know like very almost almost like macaulay culkin yeah yeah absolutely um i also want to give a quick shout out to uh renfrey mutual friend renfrey who um I met at a Black Peaks gig just before Dillinger Escape Plan did their last show in Brighton. Um, and it was sold out and he gave me, like, he let me have his spare ticket, um, even though he barely knew me. And I was really late and made him wait out in the cold <laughs> for like an hour. Don't, um, don't give him any credit. He's 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 he's, he's, he's really horrible. And he's a rival podcaster. We I won't know, give him oh, any yeah. credit. Nah, nah, nah. Yeah, I mean, his podcast sucks. Yeah. Yeah. No, he no. gave me a Dillinger ticket, so forever in his debt. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's a, yeah, that's a pretty nice present from a, from a really horrible man. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> so out of character. Like he, 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 he won't listen to this anyway. Um, cool. Um, any, any others, Max, before, before we wrap up? Um, the refused reunion shows uh i want to shout out as well i think that that's you know even with everything around dillinger that that is still the best gig i've ever been to and they're still the best live band i've ever seen like no not a lot i can really say because they're another band who just conjure magic like and make you feel you know there are so many political sloganeering bands out there but it really takes special ones you know like rage and like refuse to you know make you come away feeling like you you want to and you can change the world and change things um there was so much electricity in the air that night as well like it was their la- uh, second night at the forum just after they reformed and you know obviously when they were first a band they never really um got any notoriety so and you know there's this the shape of punk to come built up such a cult following over the years after they split up so there was such a like jubilant atmosphere and this kind of like release of energy and excitement that i think had been like just built up since before then because it never really got an outlet the first time round. um so yeah those those are magical yeah 
yeah, that that anticipation, waiting for years and years and years to see that band that you, you've always loved and uh, to finally see them, it's it's always a, a special one. Um, yeah. So yeah, th- thanks thanks all three of you. Those are some great shows and definitely some great stories, especially the the teeth getting knocked out. Uh, love that one. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, just before we wrap up, um, obviously when uh, when's the album coming out and where can people pick it up from? It's November the 6th, and you can uh, pre-order from our Bandcamp, uh, mountaincaller.bandcamp.com, or you can go direct to um, Cargo Records, just search for Mountain Caller on their store. Um, we've also got some brand new T-shirts um, from uh, sort of styled with an illustration um, <laughs> about journey through the twilight desert, so for, for that track. <laughs> Um, that are available on our own big cartel shop, only from our own shop at the moment, um, which I think is mountaincaller.bigcartel.com. Um, so I'll, yeah. ch- I'll chuck all the links in the in the socials when we post oh, nice. this up. Um, nice. Yeah, so thank you so much, guys, for coming on, and best of luck with the album release. Uh, I know I'm going to give it a decent review when I write mine next week, so I hope uh, everyone else follows suit and does the same. <laughs> And uh, yeah, we'll catch up soon. Thanks. Thank you Thanks so for much, having Adam. us. It's been a lovely time. Yeah. That's all right. That's all right. And end podcast. <laughs> <laughs>